The passion of Christ, which includes his arrest, trial, sufferings, and the crucifixion itself is the climax of the Gospels. Not just that, it is the climax of the entire human history. And redemptive history as well. That we must say that the passion of Christ is the most important event ever occurred since creation. That most important event, the passion of Christ, in human history could have happened in any other times or in any other timings. But the triune God set the time of Christ's final sufferings by His predetermined plan and His foreknowledge against the backdrop of the Passover feast to highlight the work of Christ, to bring out the full meaning of death of Christ. He put that over against the backdrop of the Passover. As you have read, the context of his arrest and his sufferings, subsequent sufferings, the, the background, the backdrop is the Passover feast. That's, that's very important. That's what's happening. There are many signs and festivals in the Old Testament that God could have used to highlight the meaning of Christ's sacrificial death. Westminster Confession's language would be promises, prophecies, sacrifices, circumcision, or other types and ordinances. There are many in the Old Testament. Just to give you an idea, examples, the ark. God could have used something like ark to convey the meaning of Christ's death. I don't know, build an ark or something like that. Or the tablets of the covenant, the law, as we've been talking about. What about the tabernacle or the presence of God among His people, the temple theme? What about the priesthood, various sacrifices, or the seven feasts? Among them, as you know, one of the most important festivals, feasts in the Old Testament is what? Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, once a year thing, right? Only high priest goes into the Holy of Holies once a year. Wouldn't it be great? But God didn't use Yom Kippur to bring out the meaning of Christ's death. What about memorials that they made, sometimes like Gilgal, the heap of the stones? No. God from all eternity, did by the most wise and holy counsel of His own will, freely, unchangeably, ordained whatsoever comes to pass, the confession says. Which must include the passion of Christ to coincide with the Passover feast in order to bring out the fullest meaning possible from Christ. Death. Have you thought about it that way? During this season, Lent and today's Palm Sunday, 
uh, you know, Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. When we think about Christ's suffering, we normally think about Christ, what He went through. But what I want you to do today, as we've been talking about Exodus theme, in Exodus, there is the great Passover event. So what you need to do today is put that lens today. Passover lens. And you look at Christ's suffering. His death and the Last Supper. Today the sin was the Last Supper. Different meanings or the full meaning of that will come to you. Come out to you. Only when you put that lens on. That's, that's what we are going to do today. When you think about it. The Passover was the oldest of Jewish festivals. We often miss that. Older than the covenant that was made at Mount Sinai. Older than the priesthood and all the sacrifices. Because why? Passover happened in Egypt. Right before the departure. While they were in Egypt. So out of all these festivals, seven festivals, Old Testament festivals, the Passover is the oldest in terms of festivals. So Christ is the diamond today. And the Passover feast is the black velvet cloth that you are going to place that diamond on. To see it clearly. So conclusion of it is this. Jesus will die as the fulfillment of the Passover lamb. Whose blood protects God's people from death. And will provide himself as spiritual sustenance for his people and his church. That's the theme. That's the thesis. Okay? So whenever you come into the passion of Christ's season. When you meditate upon Christ's suffering. God in his wise counsel. May that coincide with the Passover feast. Out of many. God could have used many different signs and festivals to bring out the meaning. But when God made it happen against the backdrop of Passover, you must put that Passover lens and see that Christ's suffering. So now we move on to the second page. If you would turn to the reference portion of it, we cannot do the full study. And I remember talking about this a few months ago when, when I was talking about the departure section. They, they made out of Exodus, out of Egypt at night, remember? And, and we are going to touch on just a few verses. Go back and try to see the significance of it when you put this over Christ's suffering. You will notice many things. Okay, So Exodus 11, the Lord said to Moses, One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and Egypt. And chapter 12, as you see it. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, God doesn't make a lot of plans about Exodus itself, as you know. Right before the departure, he gives a lot of his instruction what to do. And he actually sets up his ordinance, permanent ordinance of Passover before it happened. And let's notice a few things. Verse 3. On the 10th of this month, they are the Israelites, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's household, a lamb for each household. When? Tenth of this month. Abib. Month of Abib. And that will become your January, first month. And Abib becomes Nisan 
in Babylonian calendar. And, and look at this, the, verse 5, Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Verse 6, You shall keep that animal until what? 14th day. When did you get it? 10th. You keep it until 14th day, which really is when you count it five days. Of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. God gave them the notice. By the 10th, on the 10th day, you guys get the animals. Probably why? Because they cannot go out to the market that day. They needed some time to buy and prepare. But also, keep that animal for five days. Why? I was thinking about that. And What would happen when you have a lamb in your house for five days? If you have kids, they will pet it, feed it, try to play with it. In a sense, for five days, it becomes your pet. And when you kill that animal, it is a great teaching moment for everyone. What did he do? Nothing wrong, and you are going to kill it. And this is all conceptual idea for us, but it is a messy, messy event. And when two million people kill it, 600,000 men, let's say 600,000 household kill it, blood will flow. God's wisdom here. Twilight. Kill it at twilight. Twilight, the Hebrew word, is literally what it says is between the evenings. It doesn't make sense to kill it in total darkness because at the time there was no street lights and nothing like that. So twilight is usually defined by the Jewish people about 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Not total darkness, but twilight. Evening starts around 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. That's when... They are all going to kill it, the animal. By the time when Jesus was alive, they were going to kill it in the temple. And priest's job was not really preaching, but killing an animal. Animal left there. It's a butcher every day. Hundreds and thousands of animals were being killed in the temple. And now, do you remember when Jesus died? Mark 15 says, crucifixion took place at the third hour, which is 9 a.m. And Jesus' death at the ninth hour, which is about 3 p.m. Some overlap, some overlap. God asked them to eat it in a hurry. But eat it with what? Unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Bitter herbs representing that bitterness of slavery in Egypt. And unleavened bread basically is a biscuit. Matzo, as you know, it is a hard biscuit. There's no time to delay it's, everything is in hurry, if you remember, right? Eat it. Guard your loins and put your sandals and step on your hand and eat it so that you could go out. Also, in God's wisdom, that will become an ordinance, ritual. But at the same time, when you think about it, God was providing them with a, a good meal before the departure. Even now, Poor countries and people, they do not eat meat every day. Egypt would be the chickens. If we go to missions, uh, different parts of the countries and different places, you know, their best meat would be chickens. And you meet 
this lamb. One year old will produce, I looked it up, about 60 pounds of meat. And you share it with other families if your family is too small. But that will be the, one of the last meals that you will eat. And then next few days, who knows when you are going to stop and eat. Two million people milling out of Egypt. But God provided all of them. Look at verse 11 with me. Now you shall eat it in this manner. And it says at the end, it is the Lord's Passover. Verse 12. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am Yahweh. Now, I put verse 7 and 13 together to make better sense if you look at that section. It's not simply eating, but there's more important instruction given to the Israelites. How you are going to avoid this last plague? What is the point of eating the meal and die? So verse 7 and 13 is the most important instruction that God gave through Moses. Verse 7, Moreover, they shall take some of the blood of the lamb and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. Verse 13, and here it is. I believe this is why God coincided Christ's death with the season or festival of Passover to bring out this meaning. Verse 13. The blood that you just brought. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And listen to this. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. It has nothing to do with really the qualities of the people inside of the house. How young, how pretty, how old, how rich, doesn't matter. What's important at this point is the blood. And how much blood is put on and how pretty you drew the lines and you know, painted it. It really is not the point. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Pasha is the word where we get the word pass over. Then we have to talk about the blood of Christ. Listen carefully. The blood of Christ saves not mainly because the blood of Christ is precious. When we think about blood of Christ, we think about, wow, Son of God, His blood, precious. Of course it is. Blood of Christ saves not simply because it represents the sufferings of Christ and the penalty that He bore. Well, it does. It does. It is precious and it does represent the sufferings of Christ. But when we think about blood of Christ, what do you think about? Normally we think about how precious it is. And how he's suffering, you know, all that scourging and crucifixion and, and, and dying on the cross for us. But when you put the lens of Passover, there is one point that is making in that Exodus Passover event. That is what? Vicarious death. That is the point. Something or someone else died here already instead of you. 
So when I see the blood, what crudely put, what God is saying is when I see the blood, He's saying, what is the point for me to go into that household when I already see the death on the doorpost? I don't have to bother myself. I don't have to go in. That is the point of when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Then what God wanted us to understand through Christ's suffering during the time of Passover is that the blood of Christ is vicarious death, his blood for your blood, his life for your life. So, the Passover clearly symbolizes substitution. Since the lamb slain is in place of the firstborn. It is not simply that Jesus suffered, or he died, or he bled. Even though crucifixion was not a blood event, you know, a soldier thrusted a spear on the side and Water and blood came out of from his side. What God wants to communicate to us is that Christ's death, Christ's suffering, Christ's blood through the Exodus Passover event, the blood, is that that blood is supposed to be your blood. It is a substitutionary blood that Christ is shedding for you. That's why it saves. Because Christ bled his precious, yes, blood, For you, it was supposed to be your blood. But then, somebody else's blood is on your doorstep, doorpost. So, the angel of the Lord is just skipping over you when he sees the blood. Death is already there. That's the meaning of Christ's death uh, in the backdrop of Passover season. It's a simple point, but it's an important point. That we shouldn't miss. Now understand. Just because the passion happened during the season of Passover. It does not mean Jesus is fulfilling the Passover. What did we say last Sunday? There has to be an explicit connection warranted by the New Testament itself. Just because baby Jesus went to Egypt doesn't mean it's his exodus. Unless Matthew gives a comment because he's a spirit-inspired writer. Likewise, just because the crucifixion happened, suffering happened during the Passover season doesn't mean we could draw that kind of connection unless there are some passages that we have in the New Testament that we could draw that line. So here, the extra verses are given to you. First thing that we notice is what? It was John the Baptist who said when he saw Jesus coming to him by the Jordan River. What does he say? He saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God. Stop right there. Behold the Lamb of God. What do you think when you hear the word Lamb of God? What comes to my mind is a white, fluffy animal. That's what comes to my mind. Really, I don't play with lamb. I don't have lamb. I don't really eat lamb. I don't know anything about lamb. I see the pictures and whatnot. But what does he say? In his mind, when you say the lamb of God, he says, who takes away sin of the world. What he has, he has it in mind, in his mind, in John the Baptist's mind, when he saw Jesus and says to him, lamb of God, he's a sacrificial lamb. Could be 
the uh, regular burnt offering or scapegoat. Remember, one is killed, one is sent out into the desert. But whatever it is, when he says Lamb of God to Jesus, he is predicting what he is going to do. What? He is going to be a substitutionary atonement for you. That is the whole point of Christ. It's not simply that He is precious. It's not simply that He's Son of God. He suffered a lot. But it is all in your place. That is the point. A few other things. Peter himself says in 1 Peter 1.19, We are saved with precious blood. Again, blood. As of a lamb, unblemished and spotless. The blood of Christ. Again, it's not simply he suffered. But blood of Christ means he bled for you in your place. Substitution. A couple more, more explicit one in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and 8. This is Apostle Paul speaking to Corinthian church. And there's an explicit mention of Christ as being what? For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. Did you see? You see that? This is a very important verse. We have an explicit warrant from the New Testament linking Christ's death as the Passover lamb. And the significance, once again, blood on the doorpost and lintel is that what? When he sees, he skips over. Why? Because death is already there. Somebody, something else died in your place. So, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, verse 8, it says, Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with all leaven, no, with the leaven of malice and wickedness. As you know, leaven or yeast in the New Testament is always a bad thing. It's a small portion that corrupts the whole body. Sin. But with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Unmistakable reference back to Passover. Christ's death. Finally, Revelation 5, a lamb standing. Christ is pictured as lamb as though he was slain. Now, I'm going to move into the last section of our Bible passage. What does he do? He breaks the bread and we talk about this whenever we do the Lord's Supper. We are familiar with it. And whenever we come to this passage, what do we say? What is the, the language that we use? We say the institution of the Lord's Supper. As if Christ is coming up with a new ritual. New religious ordinance. That's not what Jesus is doing. When you detach Old Testament and you only have a New Testament, Jesus is coming up with his own new religious ritual here. But what is Jesus doing? What kind of supper is that? It's the last supper, but the last supper that Jesus was eating is what supper? What kind of supper was it? It was really a Passover meal. What Jesus is doing is not, he's not starting something new. He is basically transforming all the Passover meal into a New Testament meal, which we call it the Lord's Supper. You know, there are some differences as to the sequence of the events, and theologians argue about that. And also, I was noticing where's the lamb? Where's the meat? He only breaks the bread and wine. But when you go back and pass over, the important thing was the lamb, meat. And I was first thinking, you know, Jesus is wise. So if he instituted his Lord's Supper with barbecue, think about that. Elder Tom would quit preparing barbecue. 
every whatever the frequency, every week or every month. Rare, well done, people complaining. This is not going to work. So simple meal really is a breaking of the bread. But you understand, it's not too much a stretch to say the lamb is missing because the lamb is there already. Christ, the Lamb of God. That's all I'm going to say about the Lord's Supper. When I, when I am preaching these things, I'm preaching these things not because I already know these things. Each week is a challenge for me. I know certain things. But each and every week, as I study the Word of God to prepare the meal for you, I learn a lot during that time as well. And as I've been thinking about the Exodus theme for past few weeks, like I told you last Sunday, when, when I read my Bible, different things pop, pop up, pop out of the Scriptures. And I hope it will be the same to you as well. I'll end with this story. Remember when Jesus was young, he got lost in the temple. Remember that? And parents go back and find him in the temple. That is found in Luke 2. And let me read it to you. This is how it reads. Chapter 2, verse 41. Luke. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year. At the feast of Passover. I think I've read that section many, many times, but I really didn't notice that. I mean, Jesus went with his parents and he just stayed behind. But did you hear that? His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. It was not a day trip because they spent spending full number of days, Bible says. The boys Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And parents were unaware of it. So they went a day's journey. I don't know, 10 miles, 15 miles, 20 miles. And they began noticing, oh, where is Jesus? Yeshua, where is he? Where's the boy? He's not to be found. So they go back to Jerusalem looking for him. And verse 46 says this, Then after three days, after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And Mary the mother says to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And I thought Mary is an angel. If you found your child after three days, what are you going to do? Spank him. You're not talking. You're not saying why. You just go and spank your child or something like that. And, and he says, why is it that you are looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? What that means is that every year until he grew up, he will go with his parents until probably Joseph dies, right? His father dies. He will go and celebrate Passover at least once a year. Three times they are required to be there. I don't know. But here, the Bible says every year during the season of Feast of the Passover. I wonder, as I was reading it this past week, this my Bible reading in Luke. Oh, it was Passover. 
Would he know about 20 years later that he himself would become the Passover lamb? Was he fully aware of it? I, I, I don't think so at this point because he's growing up in the knowledge of God. And probably he will, he, will, he will see in the scriptures that predictions about himself and he will grow. I don't know. You could say otherwise. But at this point, Jesus was celebrating as a young child with his parents. It was, it was basically what you would do every Sunday. You'll go to church every Sunday without really, I hope, you don't argue. You just go to church like him. Once a year, you go to Jerusalem. That's what you do as a Jew, Jewish boy. Now, his time has come as you have seen today. This was his time. And he will today lay down his life voluntarily. And he will become the Passover lamb. And he is going to be slain and will hung on the tree. Now then, question really is this. Are you covered with the precious blood of Christ who shed his blood in your place? The boy stayed behind. Probably didn't know at the time. But 20 years later, he is going to be sacrificed on the cross. That's what's happening. Not as a simply penalty, but as what? Substitution in your place. That's what he's doing. So, when God comes to you, will He jump over you because He sees the death that has already occurred in, the, in Christ? Will He see that and will jump over you? Or not is the question that I will end today. God demands your answer. The hell demands your answer. The heaven demands your answer. And Christ, who shed His blood, Demands your answer. I hope and pray that you could say, Amen. Christ's blood is on me. When God finds me, He will skip over me because the blood of Christ is my blood and His life, my life. I hope that to be the case. Let us pray.